right, welcome everyone to another episode of TA at Home with Barry and Callie. This is Callie. This is Barry. And we've got an awesome guest today, as promised. I know we've been building up that we've got some really great guests coming on the show, and we are delivering. Today we have Jim Boyle, our Executive Vice President of Sales. Like, how important does that sound? Pretty important. You got the title right, I'm shocked. <laughs> Nailed it. Hi, how are y'all? We're good. Thank you for having me. Better now. So I think probably like the best intro because we have a lot of recruiters on our team who, you know, we're a fairly siloed group, honestly. You know, our operation recruiters operate there, corporate, corporate. Can you tell us a little bit about your role and, and kind of the sales world in general, just kind of an intro? Sure, happy to. Um, I was fortunate enough to take this role, oh, gosh, I guess it's been right at a year um, when Ron announced his retirement. So it, it's been a, a pretty uh, interesting journey moving into this position from acute care sales. And really this, the, this job is pretty much, if you think about commercial functions or anything customer facing ultimately rolls up to me. Um, and that's across the continuum of care. So that's post-acute, that's physician office, uh, nursing homes, acute care hospitals. Um, and really my job is to work with the sales leaders to make sure that we uh, deploy the right strategy so we continue on the growth pattern we're on and uh, really to work with the product divisions, marketing, uh, and make sure that we're working in collaboration uh, to deliver the, rest out, the best outcome we can. And who's your cool. favorite sales recruiter? You know, um, Bill is my favorite sales recruiter to tell you this. Bill's oh, everyone's favorite you know. recruiter Isn't in general. Bill everyone's favorite everything. Like, I'm so sick of everyone talking about how much they love Bill Lang. You know what? I, I, every time I think of him, I think of him as the tin man. I don't know if you guys remember that. <laughs> Absolutely. His wife has, she should go into business with costume yeah. making. It is incredible. Yes. His costumes are out of this world. Has he lost a year? I feel I like so. I feel like I he's oh, won. Yeah, I think he lost when he was the werewolf because it like wasn't as creative, but the costume was good. Oh, that's true. Okay. Yeah, for Bill. Yeah. I'm not sure if he knows what it's like to lose a costume contest. I know. We should have him on and ask how you know upset he was about that. Good idea. <laughs> well, Jim, it's nice better. to officially meet you. I feel like I've seen you around. I don't think I've ever gotten close enough to talk to you. So I kind of feel like I'm at like a backstage <laughs> concert, like meeting a celebrity right now. Nice to meet you as well. Um, you should have said hi in the past. Probably should have. Yeah, I really only met Jim when he was down trying to steal Teresa back to sales. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Teresa Farias is a rock star. Yeah, she is. Fantastic. Well, leave her alone. She's our boss. We don't want her going anywhere. <laughs> Pretty soon she's going to move into sales. I've already told her that. I told you. Well, Julie I that hope too. you're prepared to take both of us. Yeah, we're, we're coming with her. <laughs> I am not qualified to do any, any such thing. Me so neither. you'll have to deal with that. <laughs> She's, she's uh, extremely good at what she does. Uh, you guys are lucky to have her for a boss. We certainly know that. Yeah. What's been the biggest challenge that, in your opinion, that Medline has had to overcome throughout the COVID-19 pandemic? You know, um, so I've been here almost 25 years and I've gone through a lot of different challenges with Medline. So going all the way back to in the early 90s when we had uh, implemented SAP and we had no access to computer systems and we had to literally pick from memory and put stuff on our trucks and deliver them to our customers, which was a challenge that we overcame and we were able to ultimately get products to our customers 
Wow. We, had to, we had to go through um, the Ebola crisis. We had to go through uh, swine flu. I mean, every single one of the kind of challenges in the past, we've always had a solution, and we've always been able to get to the answer yes for our customers, meaning we found a way to get them what, it, what they needed. I'd say the biggest challenge in this situation was the demand was so exponential, we, we just didn't have enough access to product to ultimately get our customers 100% of what they need. And so um, I would say the biggest challenge is, is having to overcome our inability to fully serve our customers um, and having to, to be really transparent and honest, which I think is one of our strengths as an organization, especially compared to our competition, is we just gave them the full truth. We gave them the facts. We go, gave them the answers what we could and couldn't do. And in many cases, it was uh, hard for the customer to hear that. But at the end of the at the end of the conversation, when we told them the why and kind of the root cause, they were much more appreciative because that's not what the industry was telling them. They were saying, "Hey, we're going to continue to fulfill at 100 uh, percent from a verbal perspective, but in action, they were fulfilling at 30 percent." We were saying, "We'll give you 70 percent," and we were delivering 70 percent. So I think it's more important to to say what you mean and mean what you say, right? And so if you if you can do X, then do X. Don't commit to Y and, and not be able to deliver to it. So I, I would say the challenge has been uh, really that, not being able to get to 100% service to our customers. And I'd say the, the big thing we learned and really the, the differentiator is our willingness to uh, tell the truth and actually ultimately working closely with some of the product divisions, Vish Bahave, Paul Lishnevsky, Mark Chua, Audrey Putnam, they are doing an amazing job really sourcing anything and everything. I mean, there were, at one point we were selling rain ponchos for isolation gowns um, <laughs> and customers were taking them because it was the only option we had. Wow. Uh, I mean, because we just had to find something that was a barrier so that our customers could protect themselves when they're calling, when they're taking care of patients. So we've been very creative in the solutions we found. Yeah, that's wild. I've never heard that before. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty cool. So I, I, I think it's pretty obvious that as a result of this and, and honestly just 2020 in general that Medline's culture is in for some pretty significant changes. What are you most kind of excited to see about that? Are there things you're, you've got concerns about? What are your thoughts? That's a, so you can look at it in many ways. Culture is an interesting question. So if you look at Medline, we've been a pretty conservative company and, and our willingness um, and I probably Charlie will probably not want to hear this, but our willingness in the past for I don't you know, think he listens to our podcast. <laughs> I can promise you he doesn't. <laughs> our willingness or flexibility on work from home historically has not been great. I'm sure you guys know that. Um, and it's hard to argue with the experiment that is going on right now with you know 3,500 or 4,000 or 10,000 people working from home and the company doing extremely well. Guess what? It actually does work. Um, so I think from, from that perspective, uh, we're gonna have to evolve and adapt and become more flexible and willing to actually partner with our team members to allow them to work in the space that allows them to be successful. I think that's gonna be a change that we're gonna have to be accepting of, that's one. Um, I don't know if you guys agree with that, but I can. I, I think For some sure. people wanna work here, some people don't. I tend to do my, I'm, uh, I think Callie, you asked me earlier if I come in. I've come in almost every day because I do better here than I do at home. Um, I will say working from home occasionally is, is helpful because it allows you to, to do some things you normally wouldn't get to do uh, in the space uh, that's home. Uh, I'll go a little further. I think what's going on with some of the social unrest and how we've looked at our organization from a diversity perspective and our willingness to do more, 
um, is going to be a core foundation of how we go forward. Not that it hasn't been in the past. I just think it brought it to the forefront. It's not optional. And I think we're going to be much more diligent in our approach to it. I have to ask, because, I mean, obviously you have more of a seat at the table than, than Barry and I do with the executive office. How do you think they were surprised by, you know, kind of the success of work from home? Are they still kind of hesitant to, like, buy it? Like, what what are their feelings? I absolutely think they're surprised. I mean, I, yeah. I, I, I talk to Charlie all the time. I think that um, if you were to ask Charlie, he would have been, no way this is going to work. Um, and, and you guys probably are a little bit awkward, I'll just say that, in their approach and how we do things. <laughs> and I mean, Charlie, Charlie would just say, yeah, you know what, I guess I was wrong. And that's the beautiful thing about them is – is they're 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 willing to admit when they're wrong, which right. is kind of cool. So I think, I mean, it's working. You can't argue with it. We're up twenty two percent right now. Wow. Do you think that'll continue through the rest of the year, or do you think we are going to hit a point where we're going to start to see some some negative impact? Well, if you look at the numbers, I don't know if you guys are, maybe you guys don't get a full lens, but the first quarter we were up 28% as a company, which is pretty amazing. And, and we anticipated to grow $2.5 billion this year. Pretty pretty cool. Yeah. Um, in April and May, uh, we were pretty flat. We, we about 3.5% growth in April and May. And the reason is when COVID hit, the surgical volume dropped off. You know, all the elective surgeries, all the surgical procedures pretty much went away. Right. Um, in June, our customers started getting their hands around how do you navigate a COVID patient and maintain the perioperative environment, and we finished about 10% up. In July, we finished 23%. Wow. And, and what that means is, is I think patients um, got more comfortable with the environment, understanding, hey, you know what, COVID is here, and I still need my knee replaced, so I'm going to go ahead and get it done. Hmm. Um, and I think more importantly, the healthcare systems figured out how do I create environments where I can give uh, safe care, and then and then really segment my COVID nineteen patients so that I can do both. And in my personal opinion, I think the back half of the year is going to be uh, better than it than most people anticipated. I think it's going to be good. That's awesome. Yeah. So exciting. Yeah, it is. I mean, I don't know a lot about sales, but I just would have I would have had to believe that we'd do worse. You know, like. <laughs> Well, we did. I mean, well, I, right in comparison, we, we but went from twenty-eight percent to three percent in a month, right? So that's big, right? Um, but still, to have growth, I think yeah. that's my point. Like, I was sure we'd hit a month where there was no growth. Yeah, um, we have to. I mean, so I've got a nineteen-year-old that's about to go to college. So he turns nineteen this week, and um, I do. I mean, I talk to uh, FEMA and CDC every day, and I, and I think they're anticipating September because you're releasing all the children into the wild, we'll just call it that, mm-hmm. um, with the students that are, will go to school and the students that will go to college, much, much less, because I think a lot of people are doing it virtually, but they're anticipating COVID cases to ramp up, which is common sense, right? When you right. take people out of their bubble, you expose them to other people, they're going to get sick. Um, so the question will be, how do we respond as a healthcare system and how does society respond? Do they retract like they did in March? Remember in March, they shut the whole world down. Right. Or do they push through understanding that cases are going to go up? And as long as the death rate stays down, we should be fine, which is what I think will happen. Gosh, I hope so. I don't want to get locked up again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me neither. I, I don't think my mental status can handle that. No. So, yeah. 
So, I don't know. Cool. Well, that was a good work update. <laughs> Kelly, any more work questions before we get to fun stuff? No, I'm ready for fun. Let's move on. <laughs> if, right. if you could be anything in the world, you could have any job you wanted and money didn't matter in life, what would you be instead of the head of sales at Medline? Be a landscaper. I'd call yard <laughs> and I would cut trees and I'd weed eat and I love doing yard work. That's how, I mean, I don't pay anybody to do that. I don't even let my kids do it. I didn't know um, people loved doing yard work. I did not you know, think that was a thing either. <laughs> for me, it's instant gratification, right? It's brainless work. When you get done, you can look at the yard and say, damn, that looks good right and and feel good about it so if i had nothing to do i would i would genuinely mow yards which corny as that sounds that would be the job i'd pay i'm very great i didn't expect that no not at all i'm very grateful for my hoa i don't really have any desire to do that whatsoever (laughs) (laughs) yep i i it would be mindless simple rewarding work that's what i would do i like it could be a retirement option for you it could be right um my, both my boys uh, mow other people's lawns, and every time a storm comes through, they pray that limbs are falling down because they'll hand out flyers to neighbors and say, I'll come cut your limbs up and haul them off for you. <laughs> That's so smart. I never really thought about that. That's a good little business opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that, that I, know, I guess it was Tuesday. When was it when that tornado thing came through this week? I don't know if you guys got hit by it, but yeah. both my kids were knocking on doors the next day. Yeah, my neighborhood didn't seem to do too bad, thankfully, but we had the sirens going off and everything, so. Yeah, not um, bad at all. If your life got turned into a movie, what actor would play you? So I'm going to go, this is, This will be an interesting a- answer. It would probably be, uh, I like, I'll start with the kind of movies I like. I like uh, Gladiator or Man on Fire or Equalizer. So it'd be a blend between Denzel Washington and Russell Crowe. That's who I would (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Would a movie about your life, like, would it be a big hit? Like, like, what's the most interesting (laughs) thing about you that we'd have to include in the movie to get people watching? I'm kind of boring, to tell you the truth. I mean, between work and family, there's not a whole lot of other stuff I do. So... I mean, this week, I think I told you guys I went on vacation last week, and uh, the boy, it was just me and my kids, and we rented a motorhome that turned out to be a piece of junk. The check engine light started, uh, turned on after about 150 miles, and we had 1,000 miles to go. Um, I called the place, and they said, just keep driving. That's normal. The check engine light should be on. Um, Oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. So we got to West Virginia. We ended up whitewater rafting. Uh, we ziplined, we rock climbed, we cliff dove, uh, we ziplined. So I, I think we... Sounds exhausting. Yeah, we had a... It was exhausting. So we would get up at 7 every day and probably get back to the camper about 10 and just knock out. Oh, it so sounds so fun, though. In the mountain, we went to the Smoky Mountains, hiked, hiked about 22 miles in the mountains. So it's You had fun. me until the cliff diving. Yeah. <laughs> That's where I think I'd be. All right, see you guys later. You know, it was... It's, it's pretty cool. You had me until the hiking 22 miles. <laughs> well, that too. Well, the, the hardest part is it was uphill. So, you know, it, it's, it's, I don't know. I think that uh, relaxing vacations are boring. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like a, a vacation filled with activity isn't a vacation. That's how I feel. I like a mixture of both. 
Well, you got to think about it. So for me, <laughs> uh, when I'm whitewater rafting or I'm hiking in the mountains, my phone doesn't work. See, I, that is brilliant for you. <laughs> right? That's true. Yes. So it's a way to truly disconnect and, and uh, get back at, I have 172 emails when I get back. Are you, yeah, how nervous are you on the Sunday before you return after a vacation? <laughs> So what I'll do is every night, so I, I normally get up at 4.30 anyway, so my kids are still asleep. So I'll work in the morning, and then I'll work for about an hour in the evening, and then I'll work a couple hours before they get out of bed, and that keeps me caught up. Yeah. Ugh. Not bad. So we have had Jim Piggott on the show. We had Alex Lieberman, you know, some people who've been around Medline for quite a while, right? And we're always interested to hear like the old Medline stories, right? Like the craziest thing or the thing you're most shocked of that you've seen change over the years. Does anything come to mind for you? Gosh, I started a long time ago as well. Um, you know, it's... Uh, I'll speak specifically to sales meetings. My first sales meeting was in 1996. And uh, you guys might not have even been born yet. I don't know. That's I was three. Though. What's that? I was three. <laughs> I was, yeah, six or seven. <laughs> I flew up for my training class and, and sales training in those, those days was uh, two and a half weeks straight. So you just stayed here. And I was a newlywed at the time. And uh, I went straight into a sales meeting. So I was here for a month. My first sales meeting was at Grand Geneva uh, in Wisconsin, and uh, I thought it was the greatest company ever because they took over the lobby and had seven blenders, and it was a mudslide party. Uh, and <laughs> crazy. I was like, where am I? Is this a fraternity? I have no idea what's going on. Uh, um, it, was, it was a different world back then. And today, obviously, none of that stuff happens. We've actually become a real company. <laughs> uh, but back then it was a little bit more kind of fly by the seat of your pants and, and kind of a little bit more crazy. Where but, did you start? Like, what was your first job at Medline? I don't think I know this. I was a sales rep. I was okay. a sales rep in San Antonio, Texas. I covered about a third of Texas. My territory was about $150,000 a year. And my starting wow. income was $16,000 a year. And it was not guaranteed. <laughs> territory was only making about eight grand. Wow. So I owed the company money when I started. <laughs> Come a long way. <laughs> I have. It was, I remember I had uh, a job offer with, I was, when I first got out of college, I went to work for a grocery store chain in Texas called HEB. And um, I was, I managed, believe it or not, a 200,000 square foot fr uh, freezer. I wrote, managed their frozen foods. I did that for about eight months and I <clears throat> married and took the job at the same time. And the grocery store industry, industry is 24 seven. And so I, would literally get up and leave when my wife was uh, still asleep, and she said, "Listen, I married to see you, and I married you to see you, and to not to not see you." So, <laughs> at a job offer with Hillrom, Johnson and Johnson, and Medline, Hillrom and J and J were like eighty grand back in the nineties, which was great money. Yeah. Uh, Medline was sixteen thousand, not guaranteed. <laughs> and I remember flying up here it was my first flight ever. It tells you I'm a country boy. I was, I was wow. twenty-four years old. Was my first flight ever was flying to Chicago to get an interview landed my first limo ride ever. I was like, this place is amazing. <laughs> brought me to Medline. I remember interviewing with Jim Mills and his comment to me was, he said, listen, if you want to go work at those other companies, great. But if you believe in yourself and you think you can actually do something, come to work here. And I remember getting in, in the limo, going back to the airport, going, who's that guy? I think he is. I believe in myself. Of course I'm in it. And that's why I came to work at Medline. That's awesome. That's a really good story. I like that. So... Jim was a pretty smart guy. I think he, 
knew how to put seeds in your brain to make you, it was almost like getting you to assimilate to Medline. It was kind of interesting. So how long until you came to corporate? I came to corporate in 2013, so a long time. Oh, wow. It's honestly, it's, it, that seems late to me. I would have thought yeah, you'd come earlier. Like seven years ago. Yeah. I, I said no at least 15 times uh, before <laughs> I said yes. Well, we're glad you said yes. <laughs> so I really enjoyed uh, being a sales rep. It allowed me to, um, I was a sales rep, a sales manager, but it allowed me to focus on my kids at a much, much younger age and, and do some things that I wanted to do. So, and that matters. Speaking of interviews, what's your favorite interview question that you make sure to ask everyone you meet with? That's a, you know, I, I ask a lot of questions, but I mean, I, I, I like to start off the, every interview and I, and I say, before I get into anything, I'd like for you just to tell me about yourself and how they answer that question. Cause they, cause many people get stumped cause they're like, I mean, I, I know nothing about you. I haven't even looked at your resume. Why don't you tell me about, some people tell me if they're they just start babbling about their personal life and forgot they forget they even have a resume. I mean, it's pretty interesting. It's how they respond because it's it's really hey, let's start it off. With, Want to tell me what you want me to know about you? That's the, my favorite question. Would you ever ask somebody to sell you a pen? I would not. What is the right answer to that question? <laughs> but it's funny. It, uh, the problem with sales is most people try to start selling. That's not how you start a sales call. What you do is you learn what the customer needs. Um, a lot of people will start off with, uh, I mean, I, I think the biggest fault of a salesperson is they walk in trying to sell the pen when they don't realize that the customer actually needs paper. And oh, by the way, we sell paper as well. So focus on selling the paper and the pen will come with it. That's how I would do it. Damn. That was good. Right, never, if I ever apply to a sales job, it would stop me how to answer that question. I know, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. There was always kind of a part of me that wanted to get the question. I feel like I would have done okay. I'm not sure I would have. I'd be like, you don't want this pen. This pen's garbage. There you go. Reverse psychology. Yeah. So recruiting is an interesting area of the company because we've seen recruiters who've actually moved into the business as a next career step, right? We've seen some go into product management or or what have you. Um, If somebody, and not just recruiters per se, but if somebody at Medline wanted to transition into sales, right, what advice do you have as like a good step or or who should they be connecting with? Listen, I I wish more people uh, would cross-pollinate, both sales going into the divisions or going into other segments of the company and people coming out of divisions or other aspects of the company because I think we're better that way. And I, I think the next me or the next Jim Piggott will have had almost a zigzag path as opposed to a linear path. And you start thinking about how diverse we've become as an organization in terms of opportunity. Um, I don't think the next leaders are gonna gonna have just a, a single path. So my recommendation would be, be don't be afraid to, to set up a meeting and just ask questions. I mean, whether that's with me or another sales leader, find things that you're interested in and just set up a meeting and say, hey, tell me about what's going on because I can tell you we're extremely accepting and willing and, and would like to uh, get as many people in the building at back out in the cells. I mean, even if it was just a trial period, uh, uh, JP and I uh, for a couple of years have been trying to build a program where it was almost like a, a, a stint in time, which is, so a product manager could, hey, you know what, I want to try it. I'll give you two years of my life and then I want to come back in. And, and 
just having kind of that experience and that customer engagement and, and the kind of the perspective they would have coming back into their role would be tremendously valuable. Yeah, Jim, tell me, tell me if I'm wrong, but it seems like we've, we've tried to do programs like that quite a bit in the past. What do you, why do you think those haven't quite gotten off the ground or kind of taken off? Because in theory, to me, it sounds like it makes total sense, right? Like somebody who knows different areas of the business is more valuable to the business. Yeah. But it seems like we haven't quite figured it out yet. Where, what do you think we're missing or... You know, I think part, a lot of it comes down to to people's personal situations, right? So mm-hmm. if you have a family, is it, it are you willing to move or not? Um, and it is kind of a leap of faith, right? And, and I'll give you a simple example. Courtney Carlstrom, I don't know if you know Courtney, but Courtney was inside. She was a product manager. She was in marketing. And I was like, Courtney, you got to get out of here and go figure out what it's like. And, and uh, she got rookie of the year, and she decided, you know what? I'm never coming back. I love sales. Um, and so it, it'll be interesting because I think both things will happen. We have people that come inside who from sales who want to stay in the division. So it, I, every plan uh, can have you know five or six paths from what you thought it was going to be as opposed to one. And I think that's what a lot of people are afraid of. They right. they all believe that you know uh, there's there's some people who want to map out their steps and and really have it planned out. And there's not a lot of people that are willing to kind of take a chance. It, also, it, it seems like there's a little bit of a fear of the unknown, right? Like if you already have relationships built in a division or in a sales group, right? Like there's a fear of what if I'm not as successful, right? And then what happens to my career, right? When, the other thing is when most people get an opportunity that are really good, they're at the precipice in their current job to explode. Right. And they're afraid to leave that because they're like, hey, I've got this thing built. Why would I want to take a chance? And and I believe that's the best time to make a decision because you're making a decision for the right reason as opposed to running away from something. Right. That was deep. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, just we like to talk about kind of your relationship with the HR perspective, right? Whether it be your HR business partner or, you know, the talent acquisition team and how you partner, what you think the benefits of that partnership are. Um, I think Katie Hallberg is a rock star. She's, she is phenomenal. She is uh, basically my right hand. Um, it, it, she's truly a partner. Um, and she's built a, a really solid team underneath her. Uh, with Kristen and Chris and, and I mean all of them. I mean it's amazing how I think she's got to learn how to get somebody without a K or a C at the beginning of her name. <laughs> That's true. Uh, um, it's kind of hard to get them all, all correct but uh, I mean Caitlin as well. I mean think about it. Caitlin, Chris, I mean Kristen, Katie. Alright Katie work on it. Um, but Everyone has their weaknesses. I know, I know but I, Katie I find my HR partners I don't even look at them as HR. I look at them as a function of my business unit um, because they're integral. I mean, they're they're truly help guide us to make the right decisions. Um, I mean, I, I you have to look at it as part of who you are and and, and treat them that way. And that's that's the way I look at my team. Um, I think Danny's team does a really nice job for us. Uh, Bill Lang is is excellent at what he does. Um, I. I look at HR for me is, is a component of who we are and, and really they, they help us make the right decisions. 
you know, I, I'm glad we talked about Bill again because, you know, I, I think everybody knows how great Bill is. I, you know, even within the talent acquisition team, regardless of what business you're supporting, everybody knows about Bill. What yeah. is it about him that, that makes him such a great recruiter? What is it about that partnership you think that kind of makes him stand out to you when you think about all the recruiters you've worked with in the past? I think Bill is extremely responsive. Um, I think he gets to know the sales leader, uh, or really whoever it is he's working with, right? Whether it's a wound care sales leader, or an acute care sales leader, or a post-acute, and and it it's almost like he understands what that sales leader needs for his. So when you get the recruits, you're not starting from scratch. He's already kind of vetted them out based on what he believes they're looking for. Um, I think he's. I, I just think he does a really exceptional exceptional job communicating and i think all things in life start with communication his communication skills are fantastic i like it speaking of favorites who who would you rather be stuck in an elevator with katie or karen both of them that would be like a riot (laughs) well three of you wasn't an option i don't know that that would be legal i would be really scared of what would happen (laughs) you know that would and do i have to pick one Put him on the spot. <laughs> All right, I, I would probably be fun, yeah. Because uh, Katie knows me so well, I would probably stay with Karen because of Karen and I would joke, and Katie would just make fun of me. So. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. <laughs> I like it. Yep. You obviously, you know, especially being out in the field, right, and and moving to corporate, that can be a challenge in itself, right? When you're in the field, maybe feeling a little bit of disconnect from a corporate environment. What advice do you have for a Medline employee that wants to move up in the organization in general, you know, someone who does have that connection to corporate, but specifically for someone working in the field? Because we do have, you know, a lot of recruiters that are set up that way today. And I'm curious on your perspective there. Specifically, how do they find ways to uh, access? Right, right. Because I think it's, you know, it's easy to feel a little bit more disconnected when you don't, you know, have that day-to-day office interaction like we typically do. I think that's on the individual, though. I mean, they have to be outgoing enough to pick up the phone and call someone. And and I will say, through this experience with COVID and the access to, when we look at us, we're on Skype right now. Mm -hmm. Normally, we'd be doing a conference call. I almost feel weird when I'm on a conference call now. I don't know about y'all. When you can't see the person, you're like, what's going on? What are they doing? Are they really paying attention? Um, and with Zoom, the cool thing about Zoom is you can change your backgrounds with all kinds of corny stuff. And um, have you guys figured out how to do that yet? Yeah. 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 We, but, I turned ourselves into a potato once for a team meeting. Yeah, almost uh, giving shutting down both of our laptops in the process with yeah, some kind of virus. horrible don't viruses. Tell, don't tell the help desk. Hopefully they don't listen to that. Yeah, don't set up yourself to be a potato. Our Medline laptops do not like it. No, no. <laughs> I, my two cents would be, and this applies to inside or outside, don't be afraid to reach out to someone and say, hey, can I get five minutes with you? Because everyone's receptive. I, it, it feels, uh, it's funny, I've had someone tell me before, Look, listen, you're pretty intimidating. I'm like, what do you mean? I'm about as simple as it comes. Um, but uh, I think we're easy. I think the people in Medline leadership are willing. I go back to the beginning before we even started. I don't think titles matter in Medline. I mean, I, when I interviewed uh, Natalie, my admin, I went for about six months without an admin because I couldn't figure out how to give up control of my calendar and everything else. 
And and her answer to me was, uh, oh, Alex is walking in. Is that okay? <laughs> no, get off our podcast. <laughs> this is my turn now. Alex, you got to let it go. You were already a guest. Special <laughs> guest star. On his podcast, he was talking about how he had to go up to your office to get candy. And now <laughs> This is a perfect, it all comes around. Look, he's even got his mask on. Safety first. Uh, Lieberman, say hello to your fans. Fans, I'm back. I'm back. <laughs> Special guest star. This one's very good, though. Mine was the highest rated episode yet. It was. That's because you swore. I <laughs> That's the key. Drop an F bomb and the people will listen. Get out of here. I'm going to call you later. All right. Oh, I love I it. No one knows oh, I was going to say um, so, Natalie. Um, in her interview, um, she said she she had like 19 years as an office manager for the same owner of a business. And I said, um, so what's the difference between an office manager and an admin? She goes, if the trash needs to be picked up, I pick the trash up. And I go, you're hired. And I think that's really the mentality of everybody at Madline that's been successful is nothing's below them. Have you ever heard uh, Julie tell her story about the Skittles wrapper? I have not. No. Uh, have, have we told that story on this podcast, Barry? I feel I like we... I think so. So, can I tell it? Yeah, please, go. Okay. So, she sat in on an intern lunch where John Mills told everyone, all the interns, that if you want to be a successful contributor to Medline, pick up trash. If you see a paper towel on the ground, pick it up. If you see a Doritos bag on the ground, pick it up. Um, and so, the next day, Julie's walking in the parking lot in Northfield and she sees the Skittle wrapper on the ground and she's like, I think this is a test. I think they're testing me. <laughs> she was relatively new in, in her role here. So she picks up the Skittles wrapper and waves it at the executive office. Like, look at me. I got the wrapper. I'm going to contribute. <laughs> don't tell me John saw her do it. I don't think so. <laughs> she, she was convinced they were testing her. Like it was a test set yeah. up for her. That doesn't company. surprise me about Julie. <laughs> no. <laughs> she's a bit of a goofball. She actually said she walked past it at first and then circled back to pick it up just in case they were watching. <laughs> Crazy. Oh, good times. All right. So typically we ask, you know, to close things out, a high and low of work from home. It sounds like you haven't been working as home at, at home as much, but maybe just a high and low in general of kind of the new world order for Medline. <laughs> I'll give you a low that's kind of a blend in between the two. So um, I, I, my oldest, my boys still love me, believe it or not, being a teenager. So <laughs> I, was, I was at home one day and I was on a call with a customer and my 19-year-old walks in and his boxers and gives me a big bear hug while I'm on the phone with the oh. customer. So the he was in his boxers and the high as he was giving me a hug. So I'm not, I mean, it's... <laughs> Were you on video chat? I was. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, Christopher, I'm on a video call. He goes, oh, okay. And he kept on hugging me. And I was like, get out of here. So, <laughs> oh, that's so cute. I love I that like story. That. Yeah. So I would say that that was a high and a low. So, oh. Good stuff. I love it. <laughs> good stuff. Well, honestly. Hey, Billy, what's, oh. your, what's your high and low? Um, You know, mine has changed, I feel like, a lot. Because in the beginning, my low was just not being in the office. Barry and I will both tell you we'd prefer to be where you are right now. We're, we like being in the office. We like the interaction. But 
and the more it goes on, the more I'm finding I like it, right? Like I just have more time in my day. Like I have more me time, <laughs> which is nice. Yeah. So yeah. I don't, yeah, my low has kind of become my high throughout the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Yeah. My low is I miss Medline, but my high is some increased work-life balance. Yeah. Yeah. Which is actually pretty cool, right? Because that term in many cases doesn't exist when you work here. No. No. no certainly not. No. Yeah. It's definitely not a word you think of. <laughs> All right. So I, I have to be better than Al Sater. You're definitely better than Al Sater. So we'll start Al Slearman, though, I don't know. He did get a lot of listens. So he did. We'll, we'll have, to, we'll have to. Yeah, we'll let you know how you do. <laughs> No, I got to be better than JP as well. So I need you guys to kind of pump me up a little bit. I think so. I think you did great. And honestly, we we can't thank you enough. We know you're incredibly busy right now. So we we really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to do this podcast. You know, the only thing is if you do get us the most listens, it means you have to come back and do it again. True. So what you wish for. Whatever you guys need, I'm happy to do it. No, thanks for having me. Thank you so much. Have a good one. Bye. Bye. Deuces, Barry.